1: self-love club a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women welcome to the self-love club podcast i'm Val crawford and you can find out more about why i've launched this club at valcrawford.com. i'd love for you to join it and trust me it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme it's literally just a club where you can come hang out it's gonna be a fun time join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Bree Thomasell grew up on an Apple farm in country Queensland. Bree realized she loved making people laugh and pursued a career in radio after studying journalism and PR. Bree worked in radio for seven years before landing her first full-time on air gig. Currently one half of The Drive show on ZM in New Zealand, Brie also makes comedy videos which have had millions of views. Channing Tatum even watches them and follows her on Instagram. Oh my god. We're really lucky to have Brie on the Self Love Club podcast sharing how she's had to hide her sexuality and we discuss the often not talked about sacrifices and lows of being a career gal. Bree, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thanks for hanging out today. Oh, about time you invited me. Hey, look, I invited you ages ago <laughs> yeah. and you, you know, it's hard. Like we work different shifts, as you would say. So yeah. it's you, tricky,
0: but we, we've made it work. We're finally here. Yeah. It's actually such um yeah an honour to be here. I really Aww. appreciate you having me on.
1: Thank you. No, awesome.
0: Hey, so tell everyone about yourself and what you do. Oh God, this is weird. Yeah. I know I talk about myself every day on the radio for a living, but it's weird when someone's like, tell us about yourself. And like personal stuff too, not just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I am 29 and I moved to New Zealand about a year ago. I've been doing radio for about eight years. I do the National Drive show uh, at ZM where you also work. Yes. Uh, so three to seven uh, weekdays. And then I also do some social media stuff where I make um, I guess you could call it comedy videos yeah I'd ho- I'd hope people laughed at them um yeah and I do a bit of that on the side as well how did you start making videos like how did that all come about it came about I was doing a breakfast radio show and I had all of this I guess you'd call it a bit more loose content <laughs> slash x-rated stuff that I felt I was just I'd know. I was I wasn't getting to put it anywhere because obviously you can't do that on radio. Well, the stuff I wanted to do, and I thought oh, I may as well make some videos and you know get out that creative stuff and be in control of it as well because radio can be a little bit, especially the last place I was working at, it can be a little bit you know where they tell you what to do and what you can and can't do. And I just started making videos mainly just for my own creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so you just made them on your phone? Like, what were you doing?
0: I think the first couple of videos, yeah, I just filmed them on my phone and eventually I bought some better camera gear and I filmed some like cameras and then some on phones. But mainly the content I like to do is where it's happening. So you just pull out your phone and you start filming.
1: Yeah. So what kind of content were you filming? We've seen some of your videos, but tell us about like what kind of things
0: you were doing. There's a few different types of videos that I do. Like some is like sketch comedy where I will actually write kind of a concept where like one of the first videos that I had that went really well was I had this concept of doing a video of getting an Uber home when you're sober Mm -hmm. versus getting an Uber home when you're intoxicated. Yeah. And it just went so well online because I think it was so relatable to people that we've all had that drunken uber ride home where you know you go through the (laughs) mcdonald's drive through and you're talking to the uber driver about his life or her life story and you're like how many kids do you have (laughs) let's call one of them up i want to chat to them you know and that video went really well online and i thought oh okay this is what people like something that they can relate to Mm. and then after that i just started filming stuff with my mum Which is <laughs> just me asking her crude questions that I've always asked her and like stirred her up with, but I, now I'm just filming them. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. So when did it start to
1: grow? Did it take long or before you were seeing a lot of people watching it or starting to follow
0: you, did it grow quite quickly? Yeah, I've heard of other people where they're like, I was doing it for years and years and finally one day I got a bit of traction. My story is not really like that. I probably was putting out videos, I reckon, for about four to six months, maybe. Yeah, about four months. And then that first Uber video took off and got about a million views online. Wow. And then I thought, whoa, like this is crazy. Like I'm never going to, you know, top this video. This is the best thing I could ever do. And probably about two months later, I put out the first video with my mum and I think it was titled, um, I asked my mum if she's ever had a threesome. That was kind of what I titled it. And that video, I think in 24 hours, hit 2.3 million views. Whoa. And I had to turn my phone off. Like it was crazy. And this was back, this was a few years ago now when Facebook, you could actually get some traction on Facebook before they changed the algorithm. And I just remember thinking this is crazy. And it's just grown from there. Yeah. I can't believe people still like watching those. They still want more. And mm. I think since that day, um, I think I've put out probably five or six videos, exactly the same um, kind of concept with my mum and each video has gotten over millions of views. Mm. So, How did you, like, what did you want to do when you were growing up but did you know it was, did you want to work in comedy or, like, what did you want to do? I always wanted to be a professional sports player. And I played so much sport when I was a kid. But I was always the the class clown and just the idiot. Everywhere I went, I just loved to make people laugh. And I never really realised or grasped the concept that you could turn that into a living. Mm. Not an easy one. And, you know, there's not many jobs. I mean, being a comedian, stand-up comedian, I can't even imagine how hard that would be. But when I kind of grasped the concept that I could work in radio and have the opportunity to make people laugh every day, I mean, that is a dream job and a half for me. And Mm -hmm. I can't believe I get to do that every day now. It's crazy. Yeah. So how did you get into radio? Did you study first? What did you do? I studied a few different things. Um, Still paying off the loan. Um, (laughs) I ended up studying a degree in journalism and PR and which is so it's not radio, but at the uni I went to, there was a radio station, like a student one. And I was like, oh, and I'd always love radio, but thought it was just that thing that you could never kind of really get to. I was like, that's, you know, that's dream stuff. You can't really do that as a job. And I thought I might as well just go in. And I ended up running that radio station and doing a show on that station, which was real low level stuff And it was in my last year of uni, um, there was an opportunity to do an internship and this guy who was running the program said, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to work in PR? Do you want to work in marketing? What do you want to do? What's the, what's the ultimate dream? You know, the stuff that you never told anyone or said out loud. And I said, I'd love to work in radio. And I think I was lucky enough. His name was, oh, what was he? I think his name was Andrew Vary and he actually had worked in radio And he had a few contacts that he gave me and said, email these people, see if you can do an internship and go from there. And I ended up emailing a few different radio stations around Brisbane because I was living in Brisbane, Australia at the time. And I got one email back from one station. And that was Nova 106.9 in Brisbane. And I ended up interning there for a number of weeks. And afterwards, they offered me a job on the street team. And then I never bloody left, mate. I did everything <laughs> I could. I said oh, I will clean. I think I cleaned the toilets at one point, just to make a living. Yeah, because I mean, I was working. I I worked casual, casually there for a number of years, and I worked for free, and I just did anything I could to get myself in there and learn as much as I could.
1: Mm. So, how long were you working casually before it turned into a full time job for you?
0: <sighs> oh, jeez, what right, twenty one? Seven years. You were casual for seven years. I don't, well, maybe not, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. Five at least. Wow. And then I was working full-time hours, but my first real radio job, it would have been, yeah, I'd worked seven years in in radio before I got my first full-time gig. So were you doing like a bit of part-time announcing? Yeah, so I was doing – I worked all through the week in the office doing everything I could. So you basically were full-time but they had you on one of those dodgy part-time contracts. Yeah, we know those. Mate, my my (laughs) wage was part-time, I'll tell you now. Um, And then I do – yeah, every single weekend I would get up on a Saturday or a Sunday early in the morning and I would do a show with a guy called Gawndy and we did that for a number of years just waiting for someone to give us an opportunity And eventually we got that and we did breakfast radio together for quite a few years after that. So what was your first full-time on-air job? My first full-time on-air job was a breakfast radio show on the Central Coast, which is just outside of Sydney. And that would have been, I think, when I was 26 or 27. Yeah, Yeah. and I've already been working in radio, as I said, for a number of years. And what was it like making the move from Brisbane? Like you're from country Queensland. Yes, to to Brisbane. And I lived in Brisbane for about 10 years and then moved, yeah. How do you find Central Coast? Bloody hard, mate. I think it was hard because I was... I'd been in Brisbane for so long and that was my comfort. I had mm-hmm. all my friends there and I could drive back to Stanthorpe, which was about two and a half hours, Yeah, to moving to a place that was quite small. I knew no one and it's really hard to make friends when you're an adult mm-hmm. and I went to a dark place for a fair while because I I was so confused because I was loving my job so much but I hated my private life like I was just so lonely Mm. and it took a long time I'd say over a year to really settle in and once I got a few friends and I got more comfortable there that I was really kind of loving everything but it's hard it's and and anyone in radio will and as you would know Bell Radio means if you want to do this for a living, you've got to move your life and mm. you've got to be willing to pack up everything and move. And it's it's scary. Mm. It's really daunting. But do I regret it? No way. Yeah, you sometimes just got to do it. And if you don't do it, then it it shows them that you're not really willing
1: to move around and do it. And if you're, you're always, not, you then someone else that, will. You, you know? always have that threat in your mind, don't you? Mm-hmm. And it's so, I don't know, I think that's true. But then to an extent it's not because it's like,
0: because like, what, what have you experienced? Because you would have moved around yeah, for different I think radio this is jobs.
1: A, hang on a second.
0: I think this is like the fifth city I've lived in wow. since I left home. And do you, because you and I are about the same age, mm. do you, and I'm just starting to go through all these kind of emotions now in mm. my late 20s um, where I'm like, wow, I've put my private life on hold a lot yeah. to have a career doing this. Yeah. And I'm kind of now starting to be like, shit, I need to – how, I want that private life. I can side still of have stuff. it. Yeah. I think it's learning a balance because it's hard.
1: Because, as a lot of us will know, if you're hustling for something, you really want something, especially in this industry, which is really competitive and yeah. there's not that many opportunities you sort of have to do it. Mm-hmm. But then I've sort of learned that, no, you're allowed a private sort of life too. It's just finding that balance. And, exactly. But then you had to do all that stuff early on to get to where you are. So it's all good. But then it's like sacrificing Heaps relationships us, yeah. and like
0: getting close to people. Cause you're like, Oh, well I might have to move in a year yeah. or you know, I might not be here. And then will they come with me? And this I've, yeah, I think my private life has suffered a fair amount. Yeah, I would ag- I would agree. I think, but the thing is, a lot of us in radio are
1: older than people would think we are. Yeah, because we've been working away at it for a while. It it's, it doesn't
0: happen overnight. <laughs>
1: nah. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, so how do you think it has affected your personal life? Like, what sort of things do you feel like you haven't been able to do because of this career?
0: <sighs> this is this is so weird that you and I are talking about this because I'm going through a lot of I don't know kind of struggles now coming to terms with where I'm at in my personal life. And I think I've sacrificed relationships um and even just settling down somewhere and maybe buying a hat like I haven't bought a house yet, which I would kind of like to do in the mm. next couple of years. and whereas people I went to school with, they've bought a house and they've got married and they have kids, which that's not for me. I don't want all that right now, but I'd like to be kind of on track yeah. to something like that in the near future, I which, I mean, if I look at my life, like that's what I kind of w- want to be or where I'd like to be. But whereas my career, it's exactly where I want to be right now. Mm. And I'm so proud of, you know, where I've come from and how much I've done and learned and experienced. But it's, it's that balance and I'm slowly starting to realise yeah, that now. definitely. It's really important to like... Not put it before yourself If you mm. know what I mean I've had to learn that as well And what How did you feel Like obviously working in radio as well Like the amount you share on air Yeah that can be a hard one I'm quite glad in
1: the show that I do now But you have um, done breakfast and stuff before Yeah, yeah I have um, Yeah it's hard And I actually enjoyed having I've enjoyed having a break from doing that Yeah Because I think it can affect Especially start of relationships You just yeah. You can't get scared, t- right? You can't talk about it And they're worried that you're going to And like I mean, the right ones, I've learned, the right ones stick around anyway, so and it they matter. It. Yeah, they yeah. get it. But, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. In the
0: beginning of a relationship, oh, yeah. you kind of don't want to put all your cards on the table no. because you want to protect yourself and whatever, but then your job is to share what's going yeah. on in your life. So. I know PJ
1: battled with that too, because, like, Jace would always just they'd just
0: talk about <sighs> it's it. It's
1: hard. It is hard. I just think you've got to have some boundaries. I don't know. It's mm. a hard one with a, with a personality show like you're doing. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of it's content, but just have boundaries. Like, don't sacrifice. Oh, I feel like sometimes in radio we sacrifice ourselves at, yeah. the, at, at the, you know, for it. Yeah. You've got to be careful because it's your life at the end of the day.
0: And I've heard you say that before and, like, obviously – I learned that from – I did
1: breakfast for six or seven years mm. regionally. And I – I mean, I was – you're in charge of what you share. Yeah. But I felt like at times I just didn't really have much privacy, I guess.
0: I totally agree and I mean I've really struggled with obviously growing up and finding uh, like learning about myself as well Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I've dated women in the past, I've dated men and I'm kind of like, What do I share? What don't Mm. I share? Will people judge me for that and then not get to know the real me based on, you know, if I've dated a woman or not? And then I've had old program directors who, for people listening in radio, they're kind of like your boss and Mm. they kind of... They kind of, like, have a lot of influence on your career. Exactly. I'm not going to say who, but there's been program directors that have been like, I wouldn't share that about you because it makes you unlikable. About dating women? Yes. And for me... (laughs) Saying that to someone is like saying a part of you is unlikable, mm. and I remember I was I was quite young when someone said that to me, and oh, that was hard for me to kind of i I to like I think this is the first job where I've really wrapped my head around. I'm not going to listen to what that person says because he was an old white guy that probably didn't know shit. You know what mm. I mean? And I'm kind of like you not know not with the times either. exactly, but I kind of am. At that point now where I'm like, okay, if they don't like me because of that, then I probably don't want that person to like me. That's a good way to look at it, you know? yeah. And, and I,
1: I feel like in New Zealand as well, we're quite – I mean, I think it's hard for women. Like if a man was gay and he talked about it, it's like, oh, yeah. But if for a woman, if she's like into women or yeah. into men and women,
0: I feel like people are just judgy about women, especially in radio. It makes it really hard. Like I, I guess you could use the term bisexual because people – are even more confused by that. Mm. Like even when I've chatted to friends, they're like, but what But what are you, who do you like more? And I'm kind of like it's not about who I like more, who I want to end up with. Or, that's not what being bisexual is. Yeah. And I think being gay, people go, okay, great, I know what that is. People Lesbian. like to label people, is. yeah. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I'm kind of feeling that out at the moment but, I mean, we've got a great community and team here at ZM and I've never felt more accepted and more supported to be exactly who I am and do that in a way where I feel comfortable mm. so I'm not being pushed but they're like whatever you want to do yeah. we support that you've got to be comfortable that's one yeah. of the most important
1: how have you found like I know that on this show that you're working on now you are open about that yes. and how have you found that like has there been people just accepting of it
0: it's it's hard to tell because, I mean, we sit behind the microphone and sometimes we get text messages and, and I'm not someone who flaunts it but, like, if I'm talking about an ex that was a woman, I'll say, oh, you know, my ex, she did this. But I'm not going to make a big, you know, song and dance about it because I don't think it is about that. No. It's just a part of me that's just another facet of my personality or mm. who I am. And I think most of the time people are shocked. They'll be like, Oh, I didn't. That's what I mean. They don't expect it with women.
1: Yeah, it's like it's there's like a double standard. I still, I feel like it's better, but people still get like a little surprise, like oh, yeah. Whereas it was a guy, they'd be like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, you're gay. I get it. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's interesting. Yeah, but I think people. I've found New Zealand. Being an Aussie and then coming to New Zealand, I left Aussie just as we um, passed through marriage equality. So I literally left at the end of 2017 when that all was happening, which was a really um, weird thing to go through, and especially being in radio. You would know as well. You have mm. to be across all that stuff, and then coming to New Zealand, which is a country that I feel is so far ahead of Australia in terms of acceptance and in, in not just I know the LGBTQI community but in other things as well. Mm. Um, so it's that was interesting for me. Like everyone here is just so much more relaxed about it. They're just yeah. kind of like, oh, yeah. like, We're quite a, a progressive little country, which is cool yeah, for a little country. It's yeah. awesome.
1: So was it hard for you to work that all out for yourself? Because it is hard to work your sexuality out. Was that a hard thing for you? Like were you in your teens? Like how old were you and what was that like for you? Mate, I still don't
0: really know. <laughs> yeah, like you- <laughs> Like I kind of, and I think – and I kind of put pressure on myself to be like, oh, okay, well, you need to know, you need to know, whatever. And now I'm kind of at that point where I'm like, you don't need to label yourself. You don't no, need it's to
1: not about labeling, but when you first discovered that you liked men and women, was that hard for you to get your head around?
0: No. It was a real natural thing for me. It wasn't I think it was more later on when I started dating, um, I think the first, yeah, when I first started dating the first girl and I was kind of like, oh, whoa, like I need to tell some people now and I need to, whereas for me when it first kind of was happening, I was like, this feels normal to me. Mm. Like it never really felt, yeah. And were your
1: family pretty accepting of it?
0: Yeah, my mum is one of the most, you know, accepting and amazing people I know. And I just remember, remember her being like, oh, oh, yeah. Like, that's cool <laughs> You should have should have told me earlier And that was kind of it Yeah And then yeah The rest of my family Are a bit the same mm, That's good Then
1: I think it's important When you've got like Family and friends That are supportive And it's not a big deal Because then it can feel like
0: It can feel like a big deal When it's it not It can And I know that There'll be people listening That don't have that story And oh my Like I think it's important to you know realize that everyone has a different journey and everyone has um, family members and friends that react differently. But the main thing is is that if you're living your true self, that's the main thing. And eventually, you know, the real people that matter will be there and they mm-hmm. will stick around.
1: Yeah, what would be your advice to some of those people maybe who don't ha- have the same support you had? Mm-hmm. What would your advice to them be when they're trying to come to terms with
0: with it or just trying to get others to accept it? You don't have to have like, don't ever make someone try and accept it. The people that really um, matter and want to be in your life will eventually come around and they'll accept it and, you know, want to have you in their life. And you can make your own family. Like if you've got that terrible situation where, you know, maybe your family just doesn't agree with it or doesn't want to talk about it, there's people out there that will care about you. And there's people out there that, you know, there is good people that you can, you can choose your own family. And Mm. some of my friends, like in the, like when I was younger, I felt like they were my family and they were the people that I really had around me that supported me. Mm. And and you you can have those people too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Going back to like people maybe professionally who haven't been supportive of, of that, Mm. what was that like? And what sort of
0: impact did that have on you? Do you think? it had a lot of impact on me. It made me scared that if I did talk about everything in my life, which is what I mean a radio job is, depending on what shift you're doing, that I would not have a career in radio for very long. Um, It made me scared that, yeah, that part of me would be my demise of all the hard work that I'd had or done. Um, But now I see it so differently. I think it's something that makes me different and it makes me unique and I think it's a strength of mine not saying you know that I use it like that but I think it makes me yeah different from maybe the next radio announcer that you know it's a part of my story that I can share and I have different views and um, experiences to the next person Mm. so I, I look at it as a strength now. So was it something beforehand that you didn't really talk about were you too scared to talk about? Yeah there was multiple jobs where I can think of yeah two or three where I literally I I never lied but I just never talked about that part mm. of my life which looking back now was it hurt me a lot and it yeah. was hard to do mm. and it was it was exhausting you know yeah. it's so tiring what kind of things were you having to hide oh just like if I would if I was going on a date and it was a woman I just wouldn't talk about it at all really yeah. You wouldn't say, like, you wouldn't, you know, try change it or you just wouldn't talk about it? I just it? wouldn't talk about it because I I just can't lie and yeah. I don't want to lie. Yeah, fair enough. So I'd rather – but then obviously that takes away this huge chunk of my life that I can't talk about. Yeah, like yeah, so, content, yeah. Yeah, so that was, I don't know, pretty shit. Yeah. And I'm glad that I can talk about what I choose to talk about now. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Did that
1: sort of impact on and partners and things? Were they kind of 100%. upset that you couldn't talk about it, um, or how did how did that impact on that?
0: Um, sometimes, yes and no. Um, like if you're in a
1: relationship with someone yeah. and you don't talk about that person,
0: yeah. Um, and I also remember I was dating a guy at one point, and he like, and I I kind of didn't really talk about that either because then I'd feel like. I wasn't being true to myself if I'd talk about when I dated a guy (laughs) and then I wouldn't talk about the other side. So I just wouldn't talk about it and they'd get kind of insecure about that, which I think if you're dating the right person, Mm. they should be able to understand and most people did. Yeah. Most people.
1: Did you find, you know, you talk about how you feel like relationships may have suffered because of your career and everything. Yeah. Do you think that like has there been times where people have been worried about you talking about things on earth? (sighs) or like do you think that's do you how do you think that's affected like because we know because we've been in this
0: situation but how do you think it's affected dating or like relationships I guess the last job I had I worked in a fairly small um, area like it was a fairly small community about 300,000 people and everyone knew who you were and so it's hard when you share all this stuff about your life and then you go on a date and they already know everything about you. Like that's real weird. And I, uh, there was this one date that I went on and it was with this guy and at the end of the date I had a really good time and I thought he was a really nice guy and he at the end of the date said, oh, because I kind of was t- like I guess I was wondering if we were going to have a second date and he was kind of like, oh, well, I just came on this date because you're brief from the radio. And now that's done, I'm kind of like, that's it. Like, bucket at least I can tell people that I went on a date with what? you. What? I was kind of like, cool, you're a dick. That's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> so I don't know. At least it didn't go any further, but still, that's such a dick move. Yeah, but I guess, you know, there's always good and bad people everywhere, mm. depending, and it doesn't matter if, you know, you're on the radio or not, there's good and bad people in everyone.
1: Yeah, what have been some other sort of things that you've, I think, especially for I don't want to say it's a woman and radio thing, but, I mean, it has been hard at times for some of us and, mm-hmm. and for men too. Like, we, everyone works really hard to yeah. get to where they are. But what have been some other things that you've struggled with or, like, challenges you've been met with in this industry?
0: There's always the challenge of when I was early on in my career and I was doing casual shifts and I just wanted a f- someone to give me an opportunity so badly because I knew I could do it. And I just wanted someone to believe in me and, you know, four years and you're doing casual shifts on a weekend. You're like, you get to that point where you're like, am I ever going to get an opportunity? Should Mm -hmm. I just give up on this? And I mean, I struggle with anxiety and, um, you know, I've been through some stuff in my life where I've kind of figured out where that comes from now and dealing with, you know, if you have, if you do struggle with mental health, like I do have, I have had anxiety attacks in the past, working on air, it can, you know, be pretty daunting sometimes if you are struggling with stuff like that. And there's been times where, you know, if you're going through a rough patch or if you're not feeling the bubbliest and happiest you ever have, and when those mics go on, you just have to get the job done. Those are some real struggles that I've kind of had, which I've been lucky. I can only remember a few really bad times, but, I mean, that's a struggle in radio that people don't really think about. Um, You know, what if you are going through a rough patch or something bad happens in your life? You can't just go sit down at your desk and work and not talk to anyone. Mm -hmm. You have to turn it on when the mics come on because that's your job. Your job is to provide entertainment and a bit of a laugh for people. So those times can be hard, but I've been pretty lucky that, yeah, I tend to navigate and I've gotten better over time dealing with myself and, and realizing when I need to have a break Mm. and just realizing that, you know, you can't go, go and go and go forever. Yeah.
1: What are some ways that you manage your anxiety and the ways that you look after yourself with it?
0: I've really learned different things that work for me and This is – anyone that's listening that also struggles with mental health and anxiety especially, people, I think my understanding is it's different for everyone. Like everyone struggles differently and you get different symptoms and there's different things that happen. I love to meditate and when people think about meditation, they're like, oh, I'm not going to sit and, you know, not do anything for an hour. You can literally – and I use a few different apps – Um, where you can do a 10-minute meditation and sometimes that's all I need Mm. and it just brings you back to a place where you're like, everything's okay and you're going to be fine Mm. kind of thing. Um, So meditation is a really great one for me. What apps do you use? I use um, Smile Mind is a really good one or Mind Map is another great one Mm. Um, and you can get free trials on those if you just want to test it out. Mm. Um, So that's a really great thing that I find works for me. I love to just go to the movies, mm. like I find going to a cinema and going to sit down and watch a movie for me, it's a place where you can literally sit there and you don't look at your phone mm. because these days, Bell, like you think about it, when you put a movie on, you're still looking at, at your home. phone Yeah, I know whereas when I go to the cinema, you I just don't sit go there the phone. and for two and a half hours, three hours, I just I get taken to a different place mm. and I can just reboot and I come out feeling like, oh. Relax. It gives you a break. I think sometimes mm. we just
1: need a break from our own thoughts and our own minds. Yeah, and um, yeah, no, I agree with the movies. It's
0: like it's one and of my the mum's the same place, so I got that from my mum. I oh, think. She loves that. Yeah, which is great. And I think the last one, which I'm slowly starting to really push myself to do, because I'm not a massive. I used to play so much sport when I was younger, but going to the gym, I just dread. Yeah. Like I could just hate it. But um, exercise, I think is something that is so good it's for really your mental health. really important for your mental health. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that like, sometimes I really struggle to motivate myself, but if you find what works for you, like yeah. I've been going to F45, I know it's a bit of a cult thing, <laughs> um, but I find that 45 minutes, someone works out the whole, you know, routine or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes I feel like I'm dancing in those classes. <laughs> um, and I just go and I do my workout and it makes me feel better. You never regret it afterwards. No. I mean, you might feel a bit sick and stuff. And but... I can't sit on the toilet at the moment because <laughs> my legs are I so did fucking sore. I nearly pissed on the ground this morning. <laughs> in the but, class? or No. <laughs> At home. So I get home after the class and I'm so fucking exhausted and I'm like, shit, got away, got away. And I was like nearly wetting myself and because I couldn't sit down properly, nearly, yeah, nearly pissed on the ground. But, you know, we got there. Do you think that's something
1: you're going to try to keep up? I mean, you don't have to do it every day, but just I think a bit of regular exercise is really helpful.
0: Yeah, so I'm trying to find that balance at the mm. moment. I'm probably going too much, if that's a thing. Yeah, the it
1: is. And, like, maybe just get to a point where it's even a few times a week or whatever, and even yeah. just going for a walk. Like, I oh, do this Going thing. for a
0: walk is so good. Yeah,
1: I love that. Even, like, on a Sunday, which is more my rest day, like, I'll, I'll just – go for a walk to go get a coffee
0: yeah. and it doesn't have to be that far, but like you're just getting some fresh air and it's just good for you. And here's my one last secret. What? Another great thing, just go to a dog park. Oh. Even if you don't have a dog, pretend like you do. I used to go to this dog park, I reckon three times a week, that's full on. That's good though. And yeah, but until I was at the dog park and this guy came over to me, he was cute, and he came over and he was like, oh hey What's your name? I haven't seen you here before. And I was like, I'm here all the time. Um, and he was like, which dog is yours? <laughs> and I couldn't bring myself to say, oh, no, I just come here to pat everyone else's dogs. I was like, oh, that one there. <laughs> and pointed at this random golden retriever. And he's like, oh, I love that dog. She's so cute. <laughs> anyway, we chatted for about 10 minutes. Oh, and no. it was at the point where the, owner, the real owner of the golden retriever came over and clipped the... Clipped the dog onto the leash and walked the dog right past oh, us. No. I ran. <laughs> I, just, I, didn't, I couldn't think of anything else. I just started like sprinting. I just walked off and that was it. <laughs> I didn't go back to that dog park for a while, <laughs> actually. A new one now. Yeah, I did because I was like, if I see that guy again, how embarrassing. Yeah. Mm. Oh,
1: that is super cool. With um, your comedy, a lot of, you know, I think, you know, it's, People might say – I know you've talked about this before. Uh, people say, you know, it's not very ladylike and sometimes, you know, like the humour and stuff, like yeah. fart humour, which I'm sorry, but fart jokes are hilarious. Like that prank you did on Clint for April Fool's. <laughs> so I, funny. I was playing back the clip
0: on here and the, oh, I just couldn't – like, farts are funny. For people listening, I stitched up my co-host Clint with some fake fart gas. Oh, that's horrific. You did it to me as it's well. I had so to leave bad, the room. isn't it? It's disgusting. I think it's – I mean uh... – I really struggled with that for a little while about, you know, where's the line and what's funny and what's not and what people are going to accept. And I had this real moment, I think it was last year, where, and this, and I still feel awkward talking about it, even though I think it's hilarious, where I'll film myself farting and I'll get someone's reaction, like real farts. And I had this compilation of all these farts that I'd done over 12 months. And I was like, do I post this? Like, it's real grim. And it was actually my producer, Ellie, um, who works with us on the show. She's amazing. We're like the same person. I said to her, I was like, is this funny? She goes, mate, it's so fucking funny. (laughs) And she was the one that encouraged me to post it. And it went absolutely ballistic. And people love those videos. And I just get so much joy knowing that someone else is getting a laugh or maybe is getting a smile out of something stupid that i've yeah, done i mean
1: you, you laugh at a fart it's
0: funny it's funny and so you like, know and, and eventually bell i thought you know what some this isn't for everyone but that is me yeah. to a t like and if the, people don't like it don't follow don't exactly. watch like unfollow you know like which i'm pretty lucky i'm pretty lucky in terms i've got a really nice following that people are super supportive and i don't usually cop much hate online I'm really lucky That's good Unless um, I have had a few videos Posted on like Uni Lad And Lad oh, Bible yeah. And mate Holy shit If you want to Get taken down a few pegs Go look <laughs> at the comments On that Whoa <laughs> <laughs> I got some Absolute shock. Like what kind of things Oh so What are some of the ones I could remember Oh the guys love to do the fat jokes. They love the fat jokes. I've gotten Aww. this woman looks like she's pregnant with triplets. And oh, they're so mean. Which, those kind of you ones, don't. Yeah, I'm kind of like, oh, that's funny. And then one of the ones that I'll never forget, and I kind of appreciate this one because it was kind of, you know, a bit of creativity. Some guy wrote on one of the videos, um, this girl looks like Cara Delevingne. And I was like, ooh, compliment. If Cara Delevingne was homeless and on meth. Oh! <laughs> kind of funny. And I was kind of like, you're saying I'm a real skinny caradilla thing?" That's, <laughs> that's really quite nice. a compliment that's actually. Really, that's really nice. Even if I am a meth head. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice.
1: Um So yeah, how did you sort of get your head around some people thinking, it's like it's really sexist but it's that woman can't joke about certain things. Like how did you get your head around that? Because some people will probably be like that's not, you know girls can't joke about gross things or whatever.
0: I remember this guy said to me once and oh, I can't remember his name. Doesn't matter because he was a bit of a dick. Um, he said to me once, us guys don't find funny girls attractive. And that really affected me. I was kind of like, oh. and I was quite young and I was like, oh, well, you know, I can't change who I am. You know, I, I love comedy. and I love to make people laugh. And I got to that point where I was kind of like, that's his opinion, but I'm sure that's not the case for, you know, every guy out there. And it's not. Mm. I think, you know, comedy is so subjective and like pe- some people are going to find it funny and some people are going to find it not funny at all. And I think that's why I love comedy so much. Yeah. And I think it brings certain people together where certain people get jokes and they love it and certain people are like, what the fuck are they talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's one of the, you know, beautiful things about comedy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How have you found as well, this is sort of a little bit different to that, but being a woman that is maybe people might see as outspoken or mm-hmm. in the public eye or has an opinion or, you know, and is on the radio daily, mm-hmm. how have you found that? Like do you – it can be a bit hard. Like some people don't like it and like – It's hard to navigate sometimes. Yeah.
0: How have you found that? I think I've found because, I mean, people will be like – I've had someone ask me, like, are you a feminist? And I think the word feminist has been kind of, you know, <sighs> turned into something that it's not. Like I think there's always going to be extremist people and I think in any case that's not great. So mm-hmm. extreme feminist, not great, you know, or extreme racism or extreme this or extreme. I mean racism isn't good any time. I don't know why I use that as a fucking example. No, but I know what you mean. Like, Extremism yeah. isn't good it's in not any welcome, realm. Yeah. It's not and i think the word feminist means you just want the same things as everyone else you want equality mm. so i am a feminist and i think i always have been that um so sometimes i guess it's on air i i think i never want to be that extremist cuz i'm not an extremist yeah but do i want equality of course i do mm. but i think i now sit in a place where I'm just going to be me and some people won't like that and I always try and say my true view or my true thoughts or my true feelings about something and you would know too, Belle, in radio sometimes even with not serious things, someone will be like, okay, well, how about you play this role and say this and then I'll do that because it makes it more radio friendly Whereas I'm like, how about I just say what I think? Because let's all be real. Because <laughs> we're living in 2019 and people can see through your bullshit. So I think radio's come a long way and it's changed mm. and moved into people just want people to be real and they want to listen to someone who is being genuine.
1: Well, that's how radio's continued. Otherwise, I mean, there's so much we're competing with now. You know, mm-hmm. with streaming sites. People want content. So you know, you've got to provide that. That's Otherwise, we're literally playing music and they could get rid of
0: us. But the people want that connection and they want exactly to hear right. a person. And yeah, and feel like they are really connecting with you on a real level and mm. not just your fake radio persona. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, totally. I think you should be the same person you are
1: in real life because people see through it eventually. They'll know.
0: And I think with social media and stuff these days, people get to know you a lot more. And there's, I was thinking about this the other day because I'm like, back in the day, radio announcers, they could kind of hide. You didn't know know what they even
1: looked like. Exactly. Whereas
0: these days you're like, I'm kind of like, if you're not real people figure it out mm. and they figure it out pretty quick. People aren't stupid. And I think people connect with real better. 100%. I've noticed that. And yeah. I've, I've found that as I've gone through my career, the more I've shared of myself, the parts that I want to, um, and the more real that I've been, and I think that's seen in a lot of my videos, the more real that I am, farting in front of people, um, <laughs> the more people love it because mm. they can connect with it on a real personal level
1: yeah yeah has that been a process of you to sort of like you say you know like learning that some people just aren't going to like you and and learning that some are like has that been a process of you to work out like was that hard for you did you take that criticism on board a
0: lot I'm still figuring it out yeah you know and I think it's I think it's a day-to-day lengthy process but I remember the first couple of things that I read about myself online um I still remember the comments and I still remember feeling really shit about myself. Mm. And that's a process. And this can be taken for anyone that reads something about themselves online or if someone messages you or you know they feel like they can have their say online because they're behind a keyboard. That person usually most of the time does not know you. Mm. They're making a comment based off one thing that they've seen or one thing that they've heard. And those comments don't matter. Mm -hmm. And I know that I can sit here and say that and it's real easy. And most of the time I'm pretty good these days and I'll read something and I'll, you know, it takes me maybe an hour and I'll get over it. Whereas it used to take me a couple of days or or a week or so. Whereas now every now and then there's a comment that'll really just, you know, get under your skin and really affect you. But these days they're a lot fewer and far between because I know that, you know, that's one person's opinion. And in life, we need to learn that, yeah, not everyone is going to like you. Mm. It's just how life is. Yeah. There was one story you shared. I know you shared
1: this on air, I'm pretty sure, about when you went through a breakup. I think it might have been last year. Mm-hmm. And you had to get on a plane yes to China to do an interview. <sighs> Tell us about that experience, Shit. if you'd like to. Because yeah. I think that was one that people connected with you quite a lot. Because... The thing is, we don't like to talk about breakups. I've always protected myself and mm-hmm. not spoken about them because it's like a protection thing. But then once you do, people like really connect with it because
0: they go through it too. You're like, shit, I felt like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a real messy time for me. Um, I'd moved over here to New Zealand with my ex and things were kind of all just starting to happen here at work and we were just about to kick off the show because um, I'd been here for six months before that. And I had to go to Taipei, actually. Oh, um, sorry, I wasn't China. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, it's Taiwan. Yeah, near China. Pretty sure. Yeah. Oh no, I, don't know, I you went got, to Taiwan. Yeah. I went to Taiwan, and uh, it was to do. Um, it was for work, and I was excited about it. And then, literally, a couple of hours before, all of this shit went down in my private life, and I was like. Oh. Like and I sort of come out of nowhere for you, or were you expecting it? It'd been coming for a little while, um, but yeah, it was just it was just horrible. And to then mentally prepare myself to get on a plane, literally hours after this had all happened, I just I nearly, to be honest, I didn't even know what to do. I remember calling Ross, boss, our boss here at ZM. And I said, I, I was just bawling my eyes out. And I was like, this is what's happened. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, And he was, he was really good. And he was kind of like, you know, because it was a commitment to another company um, and it wasn't our company that was sending me. So it made it even worse. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who I always want to be really professional and I never want, want to let anyone down. And he was kind of like, if you can't go, don't. And I remember I sat there and all I had was about 15 minutes to make a decision before, Mm -hmm. you know, they were going to close the flight. And I remember thinking, this isn't going to break you right now. You'll be worse off if you don't go than if you do. And I don't know if that was the right decision. No, I think that shows a lot of strength and you just win for it. Yeah. And I ended up going and I did it and it wasn't the best work I've done. But you know what? I got I got my ass there and I did it and I look back on that now and I think, fuck, I'm so proud of myself that mm. I could actually muster the courage and the mental um, capacity and strongness to even get through something like that. Mm. On the way back I stopped in Brisbane and then just walked out of the airport and didn't come back to New Zealand for about a week because I got my mum to pick me up. That's but, okay. But, you know, I got the job done.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes when you go through a situation like that you sort of just need to... Um have something like that sometimes thrown at you where you just gotta really be brave and strong and it just really Yeah. I don't know about you, but do you find that when you've gone through a breakup or a tough situation, it just sort of reminds you that you are stronger than you think you are? You like you dig oh, deep oh, down, you? you
0: find something and you're like, I don't know, I I don't know I was that strong. And it's always there. Yeah. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, How the hell did I even manage, you know, to pull myself back out of that mm. place? And you do. And you will. How do you manage to pull yourself out of that space? I think that's when I really rely on people in my life. Um, I'm not someone who is super dependent on, you know, people, but that's when I really, I mean, I talk to my mum a lot and she is so amazing and she is super supportive and, you know, always there. Um, But I think that's for me as a person, that's when I really rely on other people, close people in my life um, to get to get you through those hard times when you probably can't do it yourself, you know. Mm. And you give it a bit
1: of time and eventually sort of get to a place where you can do it. Was that hard, though, moving somewhere with someone and then having to sort of keep on doing it on your own? Because it is hard, like moving. People think moving to Australia or New Zealand is really it's a different country. Like it's completely
0: different it's very difficult moving like, and then doing it with someone and it's, you know, you've got that support there and then not having that. It's, it's very daunting. Mm -hmm. And I'm super lucky for the team that I've got here at ZM and you guys are all so lovely to me. And you made me feel so welcome. And my team, like Clint, Ben and Ellie are so great. And, I know that if I needed any of them at any point, um, even just their work colleagues here, I know that they would have my back no Mm. matter what. Um, And I'm super lucky because you don't get that everywhere.
1: No. Do you think it's been sort of a good thing for you to have that, obviously have that support, but being able to, you know, have that end and then, you know, get on with setting yourself up here on your own. Has that been a good thing for you, do you think?
0: I think I've really pushed myself a lot more um, in Kind of when you by yourself, I think sometimes I've I haven't been single for this long for such a long time, and that's I think good for you though, like and I think it is, yeah. you know, and I think that I've done stuff and I'm doing stuff now that I probably wouldn't have done if I was in a relationship, and I know that sounds horrible, but that's the truth, mm. and everyone is like that, and I'm sure there's people who are listening going, yeah, I would love to have done that, but I didn't because I might have been, you know, in that relationship and doing whatever, so I think. It's so important to remember that when you do have those times where you are single and you could relate to this too, Belle, to really when's it going to fucking right, end? Right, <laughs> but like you know, do the things that you wouldn't normally do and like work on yourself and find out who you are and you know do those things. Mm. I think it's super important. Like you've went to do some solo travel, yeah, which I think is amazing. Do like, we, are you going to do? Some yes, more? I am. I am. Which I'm super excited about Yeah it's so good for you And you meet people Slash shitting myself Oh
1: don't worry There'll be people there And like you'll You can meet people You'll be sweet as (laughs) You'll yeah, be totally fine. You,
0: didn't you meet an ex-boyfriend?
1: Oh, no, he wasn't my boyfriend, but he, like, I had a romance. That's so... We still talk every day. That's so rom-com like, of you, isn't it? It was a, it was a rom-com, mate, honestly. And, like, we still talk every day. We're, like, not together, obviously. He lives in Canada. I live here and no one's moving. But um, still, what an he's amazing story. He's quite story. a bit younger than me. How, so. how old is he? Uh, I think he's 24 20. now. Th- I'm
0: 30. I was going to say, when you told me he was 23. Yeah, he was 29. 23, yeah. yeah.
1: No, he's lovely, and he's like one of my
0: best friends in the whole world that I'll ever know. And if he's listening, I mean, you know, if you're moved to New Zealand I was already, say, mate. You you can get married soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. I've come to peace. I've come to terms with that. It's all good. What is some advice you would give to people who are trying to? You know, you really you stuck in there mm-hmm. for like years before you got. I a nearly break. gave up. Yeah, what stopped you from giving up?
0: I, oh yeah, that is a great question. There was a few times where, I mean, I had a degree, I'd went to uni and I could have just got a job in PR. Like I could have just got a job in, you know, and earned a decent amount of money and being kind of happy. Um, I think it was a, there was a conversation I had where I'd been doing it for quite a few years. And I think I'd just finished my degree and someone said, Oh, you're going to get a job in PR now and stop doing this radio stuff. And I said, why? Why would I do that? I get that I've, you know, done all the hard work and I've paid heaps of money for the degree, but I'd rather work my ass off and get paid nothing to eventually see if I can do a job that's my ultimate dream job, than just get a job and live kind of a mediocre I'm kind of happy and like my job but not really and then you've always got the what ifs like I wonder if I could have done that at least you gave it a shot you know exactly and that's I think I think that was just always who I was what did it teach
1: you about perseverance
0: I think the biggest thing that I could say to someone listening it's not even perseverance I think is it's if you want something bad enough you need to go get it no one is going to give you the opportunity. No one is going to hand you something because guess what? Everyone else wants it if it's that great. You need to put into you need to put the work in. You need to put yourself out there and have the courage to do that. I remember, you know, I might be an outgoing person sometimes, But to really put myself out there and like, you know, I for a number of years would go into the radio station where I was interning or where I was working casually and I would turn up at four in the morning on a Saturday and Sunday and I would just sit and watch the guy who was on air. And I said to him, if I come in, will you teach me? No one told me to do that. I just thought if I ask him and he says, yes, I can just do this and I don't, it's not about getting paid. It's about giving up your time. if you really want it. Mm. And
1: what would be advice you would give to your
0: younger self?
1: You know, the little Brie that was, Brianna that was growing up in country Queensland, you know, hanging
0: out on the, uh, was it like an apple? Apple farm. Grew up on an apple farm in country Queensland. What would you tell your younger self? I'd probably tell my younger self, stop trying to be something that you think everyone wants you to be. Because if you're yourself and you're genuine and true, that's when people are going to accept you and like you the most, because you're living your true your true self mm. and I think that really shows in everything in life when you're really doing that, and i'm still and I'm still on that journey of.
1: Of course. You know. We never get to a point,
0: like I think it would be a shame if we got
1: to a point where we stopped growing and learning. Yes. And getting more like we're of course, we're always gonna have times where we're still uncomfortable with ourselves. That's yep. just part of it. It's part of the journey of
0: life. It's part of growing up and ah. you know, finding out who you are. Ah, twenty-nine <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, she's Don't old. put pressure on yourself though, because I think a lot
1: of us do that. And I you know, like you talk about how you know you look back and people where you grew up it's the same for me i'm from like a smaller town as yeah. well of course they've all had like heaps of kids by now they've probably bought their second or third house yeah. like you know they but they chose a different path to us and that's okay like yeah. i've had to remind myself that cuz the pre30s freak out it might happen for you Mate, it's mate, I, it's, already, don't worry. it's already happened. I had it's a panic attack happened. under this very desk. Did you? I was on air and I had to book in my leave and my birthday is when we come back to work in January. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to be 30 then. And I just freaked out. And you just put pressure on yourself because you're like, I feel I'm not it. married. I don't have any children. I'm like, i not in a long-term relationship. Like, yeah. You know, like, and, and you put all this pressure on yourself and it's bullshit.
0: And if worse comes to worse, Belle, we can just buy a dog.
1: <laughs> That's you know? what I'm going to do. End of this year, I'm going to get a dog. Me t- Mate, are we the same person? Maybe. I
0: feel like I'm, we're living Oh, like I'm lives. planning to get a dog, but I'm doing a bit more travel this year, so I feel it would be me. Did you go to the strippers last weekend? Oh, yeah. No, just me then, okay. No, maybe. maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Bree, for your time and everything that you're doing, so thank you so much. No, I appreciate it, Belle. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and catch up on apps you may have missed. One thing that really helps is leaving reviews and sharing the Self Love Club with your friends and on your Instagram stories. It means I can keep doing this. Uh, and also we can spread the self love message to others who may really need it. To keep up with the Self Love Club, find me at Bel Crawford and at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Plus, check out my website, bellcrawford.com, for the Self Love Club resources and blog posts. A big thanks to our audio engineer, Nick Baldwin. We've got heaps of Boss Babes coming up to empower you through the rest of the year with weekly episodes available each Monday. Catch you soon,
0: babes.